Have you ever wanted to know everything about weight loss surgery? Well, your wish has been granted. Introducing the Bariatric Beauties, hosted by me, Sherry. And me, Victoria. Tune in now for tons of great content every Wednesday, 7 p.m. London time. And 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You won't want to miss a thing. Disclaimer, Victoria and I are not medical professionals. We are just two chicks talking about bariatrics based on our journeys. Hi. Good morning and hello. Exciting one today. How are you? I am doing fabulous. How are you doing today? Excellent. Really good because I'm excited. I am so excited today because we have a very special guest and it was so important to have her on that we kind of changed our format up a little bit. So we're actually re-recording this. So um, if you're watching this live and it's Wednesday, you can still comment and chat and stuff like that. And we'll be able to answer your questions live on the air, but Caitlin will answer it. But if there's anything that comes up, we can always have her get back to us. So because we have a very special guest and she lives on the East Coast, it is actually 6 a.m. for me. So I've been up for a couple of hours because I wanted to do this because I was so excited. And it's earlier for Victoria for once. Usually she's doing this. I know. Normally I'm doing it at 7 o'clock. So it's nice as well. I know. I love that. Um, So we're really excited today to announce that we have Caitlin on the show, who is a bariatric dietitian and nutritionist, and she's going to be talking to us all things bariatric, nutritional Uh, we, we have a whole list of questions that we want to ask her, and we probably won't get to everything like always happens. So depending on if we scare her off or not, maybe she'll come back <laughs> on a future day. Um, so much valuable information, and we really wanted to share her with you guys. Mm. So Victoria, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's, Let's go for it. Me. Let's bring her on. Hi, Hi. Good morning. Good, morning. good afternoon. Good. How are you? Yes. Good afternoon and good morning. Early morning. <laughs> Early morning. Um, so, Caitlin, we have so much to go over. Um, so, I guess we'll just kind of get right into it. Um, for the people who are watching, can you give us a little bit about your backstory on how you became a bariatric nutritionist? Sure. So um, I've been a registered dietitian for a little over 11 years. Um, When I was first going into college, I actually was going to be a pharmacist and got into several pharmacy schools and super excited. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't know what happened. I was just like, I don't want to count pills. Like I want to help people differently. So when I told my dad, his head like nearly exploded. So (laughs) (laughs) I went to school undeclared. Um, took a nutrition class my first semester, freshman year. I was very interested in nutrition, was always an athlete, um, always interested in, you know, how food made me feel. So I took this class. My teacher was horrific. Um, she was not good at all. She would just read out of the book, but I was absolutely in love with it. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to be a registered dietitian. And I never really knew what a registered dietitian was until I took this class. So I declared my major, um, Went through all my classes throughout the years. Um, one of the classes we talked about bariatric surgery. And I always mm-hmm. kind of was into surgery a little bit. Like when I was younger, I wanted to be a nurse. 
So I was like, this is really cool. Like, this is super interesting. So I always had that interest in bariatric surgery. Weight management overall was something I really wanted to focus on. Um, when I graduated and started my dietetic internship, I got the opportunity to do a um, specialty rotation. So I decided to do it in bariatrics. And I absolutely loved it. I loved working with the patients. I loved seeing the transformations, helping them throughout their journey and just seeing like everything click with them and their success. And, you know, you know, giving you that new chance at life because, you know, bariatric surgery saves lives. Like it changes lives, it saves lives. You know, it gives everyone that opportunity to get rid of those comorbidities, start fresh, and have the life you always wanted. And mm. that's really how I got into bariatrics. I um, got the opportunity in my first job to work part-time bariatrics within my clinical. And I've been in bariatrics ever since. Wow, I love that. Yeah. So you really wanted to get into the caring bit. And I agree with you, to see the transformations is amazing, isn't it? So I can understand yeah. where you're coming from there. Yeah, yeah because you know, it's not always it's not easy to lose weight for anyone, of no. course. But when you have all those comorbidities fighting against you, medications, you know, hormones, metabolism, diabetes, mm. you know, the list goes on, like, it's sometimes it's nearly impossible. Mm. And these procedures reverse pretty much everything for most patients. Mm. And it's a fresh start to start over and, you mm -hmm. know, get yeah. your habits on track, lose the weight that you need to, to be mm -hmm. successful. And, you do everything that you've ever wanted to do. Mm. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. Love that. Um, so, so we've got a few questions we want to ask. Just a couple of questions. <laughs> we might not get through them, but we hope so. I hope we can. Do you want to go first, Victoria? Yeah, I mean, we've got we've got a few. Um, why do we have to eat uh, the protein and not the carbs in the diet? Now, I've been asked that quite a few times. I know the answer, but I thought I'd ask you so you can explain it properly. Sure. Why is it so, so high in protein? So carbs are really important. I mean, when you do get to a certain part in your journey, it is important to add carbs back in, but you want to make sure you're adding in the right carbs. But to start with protein, you know, when we do first have surgery, our body is healing. There's so much going on and, and protein is pretty much the building blocks of our body. So protein is important for healing your belly. It's important for your hair, your skin, your nails, immune system, all your organs. So it's so important that we focus on that protein from the early stages so that we're able to heal and we're able to also preserve muscle mass because we don't want to be burning muscle for mm, fuel. No. We want to burn fat. Um, losing muscle actually impacts metabolism, strength, and when we don't take in enough protein, our body does actually dip into our muscle stores. And mm -hmm. that can lead to patients feeling really weak and really tired mm -hmm. um, and, and not feeling their best. And that's why, you know, most practices do start patients on protein shakes, mm -hmm. because it's really the only way to meet those protein goals from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. And then it's always something you want to aim for first at your meal, because your protein goals are what's going to be most important really for anyone overall. Um, mm -hmm. And I usually don't recommend to add carbs back in until you're consistently hitting your protein goals, whether it's with shakes, or just with food alone. Mm -hmm. um, you want to make sure you're hitting those goals before you really start to add those carbohydrates mm -hmm. back into your diet. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So what sort of carbs do you think are the best carbs? 
So to start after surgery, once you're cleared by your doctor, it's really best to start with like fruits and vegetables, um, preferably cooked, skinless, seedless. That's usually yeah. the route that they go. Sometimes pureed, right? Soft. We all went through those lovely diet progressions for healing. Um, that's really the easiest way to add carbs back in um, and the easiest to digest for the stomach. Um, low carb intake long term or for prolonged periods of time can mm. actually impact your metabolism, it can impact weight loss, um, energy levels, you know, sometimes we feel really fatigued, it's because we might not be getting enough carbs in. Um, and then also cravings, cravings can be mm. um, stimulated by not getting enough carbohydrates in, in mm. our diet. Um, and a lot of patients can start to experience those once they get farther out, and they really can eat the carbs, but they're just avoiding mm. them because you know diet culture mm. <laughs> so yeah. don't eat carbs carbs are bad but you know yeah. carbs are good because they're our body's main source of energy yeah um versus because everybody's like stay away from the carbs don't touch the carbs but as you know as you say it's um you've got to have some at the uh, end of the day to sort of you know uh, make you with the energy etc yeah and, and then i would add the i would add the whole grains in after you're good with those fruits and veggies yeah. What I was going to say is that I think also a huge misconception when people think of the term carbs, they think automatically bread, pasta, Potato, potatoes, chips. But no, there's carbs in, like you were saying, there's carbs in fruit, there's carbs in vegetables, there's carbs in other things. We just like, oh, I can't eat carbs ever again because I'm going to get like, no, it's just a matter of changing your mentality as to what a carb is. So I'm really glad mm. that you kind of helped explain yeah, that. Exactly. Oh, That's why I thought I'd bring that one up. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of proteins that have carbs in them. Like dairy has carbohydrates in it. If you do a lot more plant-based or you really like like beans, lentils, those also have carbohydrates in them and they're a good source of protein as well. So a lot of protein foods can have carbs in them, but we don't say, oh my gosh, that's a carb because we think it's more of a protein, but it really yeah, has right. both in it. That's good. Right. Now, I, so I have a question because I don't know the answer, but I probably hear the term at least four to five times a week. Um, yeah. What is a macro? <laughs> <laughs> so macronutrients, yeah, macros are actually um, going to be your carbs, fats, and proteins. They're pretty much your body's energy that it needs to make sure that you function properly. And when you hear macro, your people are talking about carbs, fats, and proteins. Okay. Oh, so, so what basically? So what we've just talked about? Yeah. So carbs and protein are actually a macronutrient. And then you're also going to find fat is also considered a macronutrient. So there's three macronutrients. Okay. And those provide our body with the proper energy and it helps to maintain body structure, our systems. So we do need all those macronutrients. It's just about how you incorporate them into your diet. Mm. And that right. varies from person to person. Yeah. yeah. And obviously there's different, um, dietary restrictions and different like levels of protein intake that you can take every day. Um, and a quick story for everybody watching. I am very indebted to Caitlin because people who followed my journey and know that I did that 75 day hard challenge 
on day one, you have to drink a gallon of water. And by 7 p.m. that day, I was bare, I wasn't even at 80 ounces yet. And I was doubled over in pain. I was on the verge of throwing up. My husband is like, Sherry, you're not doing the Smurfin challenge. Just like, there's no way you can't handle it. I'm like, no. I was like, I, I can't give up. It's only the first day. And he, he goes, I'll have to start me. again. I was like, I'm not starting over tomorrow. I'm not restarting the first day. And Eric goes, can you please talk to somebody who knows what they're doing? He's like, you are in a different class than everyone else who's doing this. So at like 11 o'clock that night, I sent a message to Caitlin, realizing that she was three hours ahead. So thank God she didn't respond that late. <laughs> and I was like, if you're a bariatric patient, are you allowed to drink a gallon of water every single day? And Caitlin, why don't you give us the answer? So it's recommended if you're post-op. So yes, you know, when we think about challenges and diets and stuff, you know, bariatric patients are in such a different category. I mean, sometimes you feel like we can eat like someone who didn't have surgery, but in reality, you have a stomach that's 80% smaller. So a lot of times we can't do what someone else may be able to do. Like we physically have a limitation. And sure, you know, I have some clients and patients that are like, yeah, I can drink a gallon of water, but everyone's so different. But honestly, 64 ounces to 80 ounces is typically what's recommended for bariatric patients. That's half a gallon. So to well, actually yeah. hit a gallon for a lot of people can be extremely challenging and painful, like Sherry said. So it's really important to listen to your body and to make sure that you're hitting a minimum of those goals, but not pushing yourself to the point that it's uncomfortable or can cause nausea or vomiting, because you have mm. to remember that you don't have 80% of your stomach on mm. average. Mm. Yes, and even exactly. if your stomach stretches a little bit over time, which can happen because it is a muscle, but that doesn't mean that it's going to ever stretch to where it was pre-op. It's still, you have that restriction of that capacity. You know, if you were to drink a whole bottle of water at once, chances are you would not be able to tolerate that. It would probably right. come back up because you have that limited capacity. Yeah. And I'm telling, I'm like, so great. I'm so glad that you told me that. Cause the very next day I messaged everyone and I said, look, if I have to drop out of the challenge, I understand, but I physically cannot consume this much. And luckily they were like, no, you, you're in a different field. You gotta like, do it. I was like, we want you to do it. So my no goal, excuses. You're in it. <laughs> no excuses. So I my goal was 72 ounces of water every single day because I felt that was in the range. But mm. it's just also further proof that um, everybody who has the surgery, their experience is different. Because I've talked to people who say like, you can't drink a gallon of water and you're seven, eight years out, and I'm like, I physically can. Like I'm doubled mm. over. In and they're like, I can drink a gallon, no problem. People can say, I can drink I carbonation with no problem. But my food intake's gone up. The size has gone up, and I can easily eat a bigger size. But oh, I is gone that up. if it's just protein, it is less. But if it's carbohydrates, I don't know, like bread, then I can eat a lot of it. I can eat two <laughs> slices. And I'm glad you brought that up because that segues into another question that we have. That's, that's it. So I brought up. See, you're so smart. <laughs> it's like reminder eaters. Um, the whole concept of slider foods and why slider foods affect us differently. And we've, and we've talked about it at length and we've talked to so many people out there. 
I can sit on the couch and we can eat a bag of potato chips yeah. and feel like, okay, fine, whatever. To this day, else. if I eat four or five bites of chicken, I'm like, I am yeah. full. Like, I can't eat anymore. So what yeah. What can, What insight can you give us as to like why slider foods affect us differently than protein? So it's good to think about, you know, the processing and the nutritional density of these products, you know, potatoes in general are a starchy, fiber-rich carbohydrate. If you were to eat a potato with your meal, chances are you're going to feel really satisfied and not be consuming a large quantity when you pair it with protein. But if you're eating potato chips or something that's significantly processed, that has no like nutritional density to it. If you think about it, you know, most of it's been removed, it's been fried, um, the moisture has been removed, if you were to crinkle that up, it's like dusty, like you can't crinkle up a potato, right? So you see right there that density, you know, that density is what's going to maximize restriction. So when we eat things that are heavily processed, they don't take up a lot of space in the belly, and they technically can slide through easily. So we can eat a lot of them. The other okay. reason too is sometimes yeah. we're a little less mindful when we eat these things. Like, sorry, mm-hmm. you said if you're like sitting on the couch, right? If we're not physically present and aware with what we're eating, a lot of times it's very easy to overeat. Um, it's not as easy to overeat things that are more protein and fiber rich, but it is easier to overeat things that are not. And that's where we see slider foods, more processed snacky foods, desserts those types of items tend to be more of those slider foods. Um, So I always recommend you don't have to cut them out of your diet if you feel comfortable. If they're not a trigger for you, it's fine to have them. You just want to make sure you're incorporating them into your diet properly. So watching your intake of them, how often you're having them, pairing them with something that's high in protein or fiber, putting it on a plate, right? Mm -hmm. Sitting down and eating it paying close attention and being mindful, more present, more aware is going to help you to enjoy it more and not Mm. over consume it. Whereas when we eat it out of a bag without really anything Mm. to pair with it. So the, sorry, darling. So it goes on to the next question about the 30 minutes before and the 30 minutes after that. Why does that have to happen? So basically you can't uh, drink, you can't eat food and uh, if you've had a drink 30 minutes um, or before, isn't it? So you've got to wait 30 minutes from a drink to the food, 30 minutes until after, and then have a drink. So, yeah, that can really vary on practices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to not eat and drink together. A lot of practices can kind of vary on that. Um, that rule per se, like I've had Mm. 10 to 15 minutes before 30 after 30 before 30 after. So there is usually some type of variation. Well, not at all. I've heard. Or not at all. You you should always avoid eating and drinking together, even if you can. I actually did a really good video on this. Um, I could share it with you ladies. Um, Yes. I did a webinar, um, a free webinar at the end of March. And um, Mm. I talked about, you know, ways to get back on track. And one of the things Mm. that I talked about was Mm. not eating and drinking together. 
and yeah. why it's so important. So even if you can eat and drink together, it is something you should avoid. Um, when we do eat and drink together, it can do two things. Early on, post-operatively, a lot of patients, it leads to pain, nausea, vomiting. It doesn't tolerate well. As you get farther out, it can lead to overeating. Um, so what it can actually do is it can increase the digestion of your food. So we think sometimes it's just a few sips. It's not a big deal, but it actually makes the food a little bit more liquidy and it can start to increase digestion, which can increase your portion sizes that right. you're eating. It makes you feel less satisfied and less full. So you're hungry sooner. So that can increase grazing and snacking between meals. And when we're hungry sooner, we eat sooner. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and also, we'll, yeah, go on, darling. I was, was going to say one thing I was going to add before, too. Um, when we're talking about slider foods and stuff, I, I love how you, you gave the advice that you really shouldn't just be eating it directly out of the bag. You should be like maybe putting it on a plate, setting mm, aside. That's good. One, one thing that I learned in doing this challenge and having to watch calories and follow a diet. I had to be very careful how many calories I was consuming in a day. Mm. So when I was, I wouldn't eat chips or anything like that, but I would have like gluten-free pretzels or I would have some kind of a snack and I, and it would tell you that, and I would read every serving size and the serving size is one ounce. So I have my scale. I measured out one ounce of pretzels. And in the grand scheme, when you think about how many one ounces like on a plate, um, and that plate mm. is like, let's say 140 calories or 150 calories, mm. you're like, normally I probably could have eaten this entire bag and I could have probably easily consumed 700 calories in one sitting, which when you think about it for a bariatric patient, you're like, how is that possible? And you're like, because it, like you said, it comes to dust. Like when you're eating it, I, if I was to eat 700 calories worth of a chicken breast, I would die. I would not you wouldn't even get there <laughs> to consume it. So it was funny like when people are like, I don't understand you know, why I'm gaining weight. I'm not eating that much. And I said, but when you think about it in the grand scheme, yes, mm. I eat four or five bites of chicken breast and I'm full. I might not get to rice or vegetables. Yeah. Or anything like that. Yeah. But if I can eat a whole bag of um, pretzels or potato chips, and that alone is like 700 calories, you don't realize how quickly as a bariatric patient. I agree. Consume and I just think. Calories. Yeah, and I just think if you write a journal, write it all down, either in a book or on an app, you will see all the calories. And so if you did have some chips, crisps, as I say, um, or anything naughty, um, I just shouldn't say naughty, um, you know, anything that's all outside the plan. can be included. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. But anything outside plan, you can just see the calories, um, you know, and they're, they're, how they're growing. So it's a case of watching yeah. them. And then, as you say, you take a little plate, you put some crisps on just to have your treat. So you can have it, but just everything's in moderation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, something that I could add, too, is, you know, you were mentioning the calories before, Sherry. And, I mean, I'm not a huge calorie counter with my clients. You know, sometimes that. I, you know, a lot of people don't do well with it and I'm fine with that, but I do do have them food journal. But another thing you can think about too is, you know, if you are looking at your labels, which is something that I always encourage to do, cause you should yeah. be aware of what's in your food and say it's 140 calories for an ounce of pretzels and you measure that out. It's not a lot. 
even post-op, it's not a big volume. So it's important to kind of stop and take a step back and maybe say like, do I really want to spend 140 calories on these pretzels that I might not feel very satisfied with? Or should I eat something else? Or what can I pair with this? So it's good to also become just like really, like instead of, you know, counting of calories, but more calorie conscious. So kind of more understanding how that calorie per se is going to impact your, how you feel, you know, fullness wise, satiety wise, you know, satisfaction, not just physically, but mentally, Mm. you know, are you going to feel satisfied? You know, is it, is it really worth it? I guess it's not the greatest word to say, but is it worth it to have that? And if it is, yes, have it. But if you start to think that it might not be, then what could you do to have 140 calories or something else or add mm. to it to make it a little bit more nutrient dense mm. so it is more worthwhile? Mm. Yeah, and what, yeah. I, what I was doing is a snack because I know how important protein that you have to get X amount of protein every day. So I would usually, the reason I would only do an ounce of pretzels is because I usually paired it with a hummus. So I would eat like pretzels and hummus because at least it had some protein in it mm-hmm. and it would kind of fill me up a little bit more. But or I was trying to do like um, like Greek yogurt and some granola and or yeah, but but even like because I still get really full and it's funny like we talked we, well we, mm. that cool. I would get, like in doing this challenge I didn't real all of these bad foods I was eating if I was eating out or if I was eating pizza or something like that. The, the minute that I started eating, I guess, quote unquote, cleaner and kind of being more mindful of what I was putting into my body, it was actually really eye-opening as to how much satisfying and how much satisfying I was eating in such a smaller portion at a time instead of eating these slider foods or eating like something greasy and then 20 minutes later feeling hungry again. Mm. Yes. And Why that's do we what think like, grazing and snacking yeah. slider foods, they're not sitting in your belly for a long time, like protein Mm. and fiber from our carbs sit in our belly for a long time. Like you'll feel full with a meal for like three to four hours or Uh, a good snack for like, you know, two hours or so if you're hungry between a meal. When we eat those slider foods by themselves, yeah, they don't keep us full very long. Mm. Because what I was going to say is you got one day where you can eat like an elephant and then the next day, you can only eat like a snail. What's that all yeah. about? So everyone's really different. Um, yeah. This could be due to like your energy expenditure for the day. Like, did you exercise? What was your uh, movement like the past few days? Sometimes we start to feel the effects of that a few days later. You know, if your body is using all this energy to recover itself, you might right. feel the effects of that one to two days later that your body's got excessive hunger. And it doesn't mm. mean that your surgery is broken. You know, I I get a lot of people, they say to me, I can eat so much. What is my surgery broken? No, but you have a metabolism and when it's working well, it will increase. You'll feel hungry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So increased hunger is usually a sign of your metabolism. It could also have to do with too, were you meeting your goals yesterday or the, you know, a few days before? Did you hit your protein goals? Did you hit your fluid goals? Because sometimes we think we're hungry, but we're really thirsty. Or how has your intake been throughout the day? Have you been getting in your protein? Have you been getting Mm -hmm. in those carbs? You know, have you been skipping meals? Because those are things that can also increase your hunger. What what would you recommend uh, for somebody um, who's regaining after a few years? So this is something that I, I work with a lot of my clients with. Most of my clients are 
our uh, patients who have had some regain or have really kind of hit a plateau or mm-hmm. a stall, um, you know, really going back to the basics is so important. And I, I had mentioned earlier, I did a, um, a webinar at the end of March where I actually um, announced that I was launching a new program to help you get back on track. And I talked about, you know, what are the key things to focus on? And I always encourage you to go back to eating three meals a day. If you're someone who's a meal skipper, skipping your meals is the worst thing you can do mm-hmm. because it actually really negatively impacts your metabolism mm-hmm. and our body over time. It's very smart. Our body, it will start to slow down your metabolism to make sure all your organs are functioning well because we don't take breaks. Our body works 24 seven, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that requires calories. And if the calories aren't there, it's going to pull and decrease the metabolism. Um, eating mindfully. We we're talking about this before, you know, practicing, eating slow, chewing well, not eating and drinking together, taking that time to be present at your meal can be super important and bring more awareness to your choices. Um, Balancing your plate, we talked about this too, you know, making sure that you're getting in protein and fiber. So, you know, the plate method, the bariatric plate method that you see, I'm sure you both were taught about it and see it all over the place is so important. You know, it is really important when you're eating to think, am I getting protein? Am I getting produce? Am I getting a high fiber carb? Mm. And adding a healthy fat. It could be cooking with one, adding a condiment, adding it on the side. You know, how are you balancing out your meal so you have Mm. good satiety? Um, Hydration. You know, hydration is so key. If you aren't hydrated enough, our organs need fluid. Sorry, would you like um, recommend then going back to shakes and soups and things like that? Or would you literally just say no, have your breakfast, lunch and dinner like a salad or eggs for breakfast? So typically, I don't recommend going back to shakes um, or doing any type of extreme measurements to get back on track. Um, As we do get farther out, we can eat more. Um, And typically, shakes are not as satisfying as they were, because our stomach Mm. is very efficient at digestion and it doesn't fill the space like it used to um, unless Mm. you're really making a packed shake with like fruits and veggies and you're adding that i wouldn't recommend going back to shakes and just kind of doing like a premier protein shake or Mm. you know a powder with a liquid because it's not a lot of calories it's it's also doesn't have a lot of substance so it's not going to stay in your belly as long Mm -hmm. Um, so i would recommend to going back to the ch- focusing on the choices that you're making and how are you eating? Because if you're not addressing that, what are you mm. addressing? Mm. Right? Yeah. We have to address our habits and our behaviors to see change and be successful with our procedure. Mm. You know, we don't want to bandage it by going on a diet or mm. doing a poetry set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I can't yeah, believe yeah. I said the word. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I actually have a question that's off topic, but goes along with all of this. Um, Anybody who's who's been trying to lose weight for many, many years, we always have the newest fad of, of the millennia or whatever, when it was the South Beach and it was all these things. The new recurring trend that I see everywhere is one, keto, and the other one is intermittent fasting. Now, just like with any program, there are people that swear by it, that get all of the results they want. I tried doing keto once for me personally, I did not have a good result from it. It was kind of making my stomach upset. And I'm just curious for the bariatric community, just maybe what are your thoughts on 
especially keto when it's a lot of high fat and, and low carb or the intermittent fasting, which yes. can go, some people do like a 16, eight. So they'll go 16 hours without eating. Um, what are your, what are your Crazy. thoughts? So like you said, sometimes it does work for some people, other people, it doesn't, um, you know, you'll see a lot of people who have been successful with it. It's not, it's not something that I would recommend to a bariatric patient. Okay. But like you said, there are some people who do well with it. And if it works well for them, why not? Right. But again, we're going back to diets. We're going back to restriction. We're going back to cutting things out. We're not mm -hmm. really addressing the habits of what got us to where we are. Because mm -hmm. when we go off of these diets, typically what happens is we may we may gain the weight back. We may gain more back, right? Mm. So that's a big thing. We don't want to get stuck the back in that diet. The honeymoon period's going. Yes, and that goes away, right? In like that first year. But we don't want we want to address the habits because if we don't, it's a very vicious cycle, right? And it's like yeah. we're constantly mm. running on this hamster wheel, but we're not addressing the actual underlying reasons. And we had surgery to get out of diets. Why are we going back mm. to diets, right? So you really have to focus on that mindset. Um, intermittent fasting. One, you already can't eat a lot. Why would you limit your hours in your day? Yeah, I guess it's true. <laughs> yeah, so that decreases how frequently you can eat. And, you know, depending on where you are in your journey, you know, you might not even get enough calories to sustain yourself. And with keto, um, a lot of us have a history of heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. This is what you see in high fat foods, high cholesterol, high sodium, high fat, right? So mm. a lot of times we're bringing in things that may have been a problem for us preoperatively with our comorbidities. And even though those comorbidities are under control, you know, we don't want to bring those back in and possibly increase those levels again. I've had bariatric patients go on keto and their cholesterol skyrocketed and they couldn't get it down again mm. just from going on a true keto diet. And, yeah. you know, people who truly do keto do not do keto forever. They cycle it because you can't, you can't constantly do that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Again, our body's main source of energy is carbohydrates. So prolonging mm. that low carb intake is actually going to negatively impact the way your right. body is functioning. A lot of people hit right. weight loss stalls and gain weight from going low carb post-op. Um, and another thing too, I just lost my train of thought. I had a thought in my head while I was talking. All the time. Oh, here we go. When we pull carbs out of our diet, we lose weight fast because it's water weight. Mm -hmm. our, mm. you know, we're depleting those glycogen stores. So when we add it back on in, people are like, Oh my gosh, I'm gaining all this weight, but it's really just fluid because yeah. you've removed it. You add back in, um, that's what can cause like that, that fluctuation that we see, but it's not really a true fat. It's more water. Um, yeah. that's why you drop so fast at the beginning is because you're depleting, you know, your glycogen stores. Hmm. And then, so uh, that's funny because I was thinking, sorry, darling, I was thinking like about the, because um, I've got swelling in my ankles and I thought maybe it's because of uh, not drinking enough water or what do you think? What's that then? Well, I've got a swollen ankle. I mean, that's well, literally question. one swollen ankle. You should call your doctor. That's what I, I have. I've been there today. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> It could be hydration. You know, if we are dehydrated, we do retain fluid. 
Um, it could be, you know, mobility, you know, if you haven't been moving around a lot, um, it could be your diet, you know, there's so many things that it could be. So it's yeah. always good to start with your doctor well, yeah, and then evaluate your intake. Yeah, we went to the doctor's today and she just said, like, watch it. So we're going to watch it and see, make sure it doesn't get any worse. Yeah, I just Because I thought maybe it's like water retention because I didn't drink enough. That's what I was thinking. It could be. I know we were talking about dehydration. I was mentioning about That's fluids. And, um, you know, if we're not getting enough fluids, our body's 70% water. So when we deplete, our water intake, it does cause swelling or water retention. We mm. hold on to fluid. Um, it can cause that puffiness that you feel. Yeah. So it, it's possible it could be related to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll keep, keep an track eye on of it. your fluids. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Take your water, do. Victoria. I will. I promise. Uh, so you originally started with the pre-op process mm. in doing like the nutrition requirements for insurance, correct? So yeah, I do still work with pre-op patients. I do work in a bariatric practice also. Um, and I do work with pre-op patients too. And then for your practice, and because we're learning that everybody's insurance is different, which means the requirements are different. Mm. Some people have to do six months of classes. Some people don't. Some people do the liver shrinking diet. Some people don't. I remember for me personally, I went to one appointment for nutrition, which lasted less than 30 minutes. Wow. And she basically just kind of gave me a packet of information. And it was mostly like what the post-op diet is going to be. And it was wow. week yeah. one to two, That's you have this, 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 weeks two to four, you have this, this, and this. And then I talked to other people and they're like, no, I had to go to a monthly class for six months I before I even got approved. So just, I'm just curious on the East coast in Jersey, like what are, what is your, the practice that you are part of? What is the process like for pre-op? So like you said, it really depends on insurance companies. Um, we have some patients that need to do their nutrition for three months, some that need to do it for six, some insurance requires 12. Mm. Um, so it's all over the place. Um, but you know, I do um, at least three classes with every single patient. Um, and they are focused on changes we should be making before surgery, habits, lifestyle changes. And then we focus more on like, what's going to be changing with surgery, like vitamins and protein shakes, diet stages, how things will modify post-op. And then we, we do do a pre-op diet with our, our patients as well, um, mm -hmm. a liver shrinking diet. Um, and those are typically like the really big things that we focus on. Um, and they of course have to get clearance from all of their, their doctors that are required um, in terms of, you know, what their, their comorbidities are. Um, there's certain doctors um, that the patients need to see too, to get clearance for. How okay. long is your liver shrinking diets for? Just so based on your BMI, it can be anywhere from one to two weeks. Um, right. You know, we, we really, we really go by the ASMBS guidelines for bariatric surgery. So we like to utilize those guidelines and, you know, liver shrinking diets are a very high protein, low carb, low fat diet to mm. essentially shrink the liver. So that's the type of diet we do with our patients before their surgery. And this is just to ensure that the surgeons have an easier time doing the procedure and that it's safer mm. for the patient. That's essentially yeah. why yeah. a liver shrinking diet is done. Liver. 
Yup, to lift the liver. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> if you've had excessive weight gain, that'll increase your liver size. We do not yeah. allow weight gain. You know, you should obviously be maintaining or losing your weight. I had to the do it for process. four weeks, mine. I had to do it for four weeks, my one. Yeah, summer longer. Shake. We only do only one to two weeks. Water. Only shakes and water. We do food on ours. <laughs> yeah. I wish. Yeah, I, that's challenging. I, I give you props because I don't think I could do just a, a liquid diet for four weeks, you know. Yeah, you know your belly is so big before but surgery. It, oh my god! Yeah, it, but it is. You'd be so hungry but when you are dying, basically, and that weight that you've got on, and you're thinking in a month's time, I'm going to have this surgery, and I will change. You know, my life is going to change for the better. Then you'll do anything. And this I was very true. Like, I was told. I was told. I always literally just say, you know, they say jump, and I'm like, how high? Yeah, um, because I literally wanted to really get on with this um, to survive. Yeah, yeah but it, definitely. But it's hard because for all, a lot of people, even if their mindset is strong, like they've struggled for so, like they just mm. don't know how to start on day one or how to yeah. start yeah. with your mental thing. Now, p there are people like you and me who um once you set your mind to it like for me it's more mm -hmm. of a stubbornness thing if you tell me i can only yeah, have this i'm only gonna do that but i can see it like but for a lot of people obviously that's harder mm -hmm. um to get behind and then so i have a question i know that when we first have the surgery and i know that everybody's plan is you know kind of excuse why they kind of give you ranges but i remember for me post-op your protein goal was like 60 to 80 grams of protein a day. And then your water was like around 64 ounces a day. Um, question one, is that pretty much the, the standard average for everyone? And then two, for some of us who are more further out, whether you're five years out, 10 years out post-op, do those same minimum guidelines hold true or does it change? Should our guidelines as for what our daily goals should be, should they be different when you're further out? So that's a good question. Yes. When you first have surgery, there are pretty strict guidelines that you'll see across the board. You want to get 60 to 80 grams of protein. You want to get at least 64 ounces of fluids. Those are pretty standard. It really depends as you get farther out on the individual, what your activity is like. Um, how your intake is overall, sometimes those guidelines might still hold true for you and you might find that they still work really well. Other times you might feel like, wow, I really need some more water or I really yeah. don't think I'm getting enough protein. So that's when it's good to either go back to your surgeon's office, meet mm -hmm. with your dietitian or reach out for support from a bariatric dietitian to really discuss with them what your current needs would be, because that's the person that's going to be able to let you know Makes based sense. on, yeah, based on your activity, based on your age, height, weight, yeah. you know, where you should be in terms of that macro nutrient right. range. And mm -hmm. then also hydration. I always say 64 to 80 ounces is pretty good for most people. Um, yeah. If you are very active, you may feel like you're more thirsty. And if you're thirsty, it means you need to drink more water anyway. So if you're hitting 64 to 80 ounces and you still feel thirsty, then you're, you're dehydrated. You're not drinking enough. Mm, yeah. And, you know, that can be huge with also the weather change. So it's not always going to be the same. Um, mm. So the best thing to do is to really listen to your body 
make mm -hmm. sure you're hitting those minimums, but don't use them as, well, oh, I'm there, I'm done, I made it for the day, right? Yeah. You know, you want to listen to how your body feels. If you feel like you need more water, drink more water. If you feel like you aren't getting in enough protein, you know, you're doing a lot of strength training and exercising, yeah. you're going to want to up that. And that's where working with that. a dietitian can be really beneficial. Mm. No, and that makes a lot of sense. And I and I've been to the Victoria before. I've had a couple of people in the last month or two that were personal trainers. They weren't bariatric personal trainers, and they would and they would ask me like, "How much protein am I consuming?" And like some days I can consume um, eighty ounces. Sometimes it's sixty. Sometimes it's one twenty. Kind of just depends on what foods I'm eating. And they're like, I'm "No, that is that is way too little. You need to eat your weight in grams of protein." And I'm like, I'm now 179 pounds. I don't know if I can fit. I was like, I can't physically consume 179 grams of protein. And they kept pushing it like, no, no, don't worry. We're going to get you there. That's where you need to be. And I'm like, but I have a feeling. Doesn't work out. Yeah. Might be a little bit differently because mm. I can't eat. I, to this day, I can't eat a full solid four ounces no of way. chicken in one no. sitting. It'll Four ounces of chicken is what, like maybe 160 calories. So we're having a chicken like roast tonight. Grams. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I can't, I can't and I won't food. be able to eat much once yeah, I get that chicken. Do... You know the protein plates, plates. Mm -hmm. So I have mm -hmm. my little protein, and then I have my vegetables, and then I put one potato on, which I never get to. I think, mm -hmm. oh, I'll have that at the end. No, never get to it because I'm so full on the chicken. Mm -hmm. So yeah. just. If you can just comment on that, I don't personally, I don't think it's realistic to consume that much, but like you no. said, everybody's different depending on your physical activity. Um, I just, I, mean, want, I would think too. Oh, sorry. No, no. I was gonna say just validation. Like I'm not crazy, right? No. And you know, <laughs> even some people who haven't had surgery, that's you are unrealistic. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> aren't, aren't we all in our own way? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you have to think about what your goals are, right? You know, that might be realistic if you're a bodybuilder or your goals are different than someone who is just trying to maintain their weight loss, build a little muscle. You know, their goals can be different. And what the goals they may have for you might not be the goals that you have for yourself. Mm, yeah. And like I said, for a lot of people, that's, you know, I don't even think I eat that much protein. You know, like that's just that's a lot. And you have to remember too, macronutrients, no matter what they are, if we eat too much of them, they get stored in the body as fat. It doesn't matter if it's a carb, mm. fat, or protein. Oh, I right? heard that. Yes. If we're taking in too much of anything that's not used, yeah. it gets stored in the body as fat. I heard so, that. I heard that. Yeah. So that's interesting Regardless. you said that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're meeting your protein goals and you're getting between 60 to 80 grams of protein consistently and easily... I wouldn't encourage you to just keep eating protein. I would encourage you to add the carbs back in. You know, if you can get two to three, maybe four ounces of protein at your meal, that's perfect. Now focus on the rest of your plate. Yeah. You know, eating as much protein as you can isn't the goal, right? I mean, at the beginning it is, but that's not the goal long term. You know, the goal yeah. long term is to be able to sustain those changes. Yes. And the way we do that is we make sure that we're providing ourselves with the right amount of protein, carbs, mm -hmm. fat. Because mm, I just want to be able to not think about it. I want to get to the stage where I can go, oh, yeah, that looks about 64 ounces. Do you know what I mean? Like throughout the day. Um, you know, I mean, rather that's than really, going, that's way, a hard way, thing way. to do. 
It is. Yeah. I would always encourage you to track it, especially yeah. fluids. Like oh, if you track, were drinking yeah. a water bottle and like, like this water bottle's 34 Definitely ounces. Track, so, yeah. you know, if I know if I drink two of these, I'm going to get at least 64 yeah. ounces for the day. Yeah. So if I drink four of those and I know I've got mine. Yes. So that's something I always recommend for my clients. My yeah, patients. So I know that sort of thing. Yeah. Keep track of it. You know, those are the fluids are one of the things that you really want to keep track of. You yeah. know, food, sometimes we can get to the point where we're like, yeah, I'm good. Like, I, I know, I know where I'm at. My meals are all pretty yeah. consistent, similar. Fluids, though, definitely something that I would always recommend. If you have a refillable water bottle, know the ounces, know how many you have to drink a day. Mm, mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's, and it's interesting because I have my cup here, whatever, it's, I think it's 24 ounces. So I know that I drink three a day. And I'm MOBA. good. And that's a MOBA. Um, and that's MOBA. what I do. But what but when I was doing the challenge, you're forced to drink X amount. So I will I would like keep track of it. Like by a certain time, I wanted to hit like a certain number because I didn't want to have another night where I'm like doubled over because I'm trying to force all this water in. But what's interesting is since the challenge has been ended and I'm not counting it out because I don't have like this deadline to hit every day. There's been days where hours have gone by and I'm like, oh, I haven't had any water. And so I, I totally agree that you should uh, okay. have like some kind of a food diet or something that just kind of tracks. And I was tracking every you said you really time. liked the routine, didn't you? You I really liked the, the structure, yeah. the routine. And um, I, I would agree with that. I, I would as well. Yeah. Definitely. And like to answer your question earlier, after a while, because you're, you're eating chicken breasts all the time or ground turkey and like, and I measured everything after a few weeks, you could kind of eyeball it. Like if I was to eyeball and I could see that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Now. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I what think I was just, actually getting at. Yeah. And I think what it is, is just once you're doing it for a while and you, your, your body just becomes mm. used to it. So then you could yeah. visually gauge it, give or take yeah. a couple like 0.2 ounces or something like that. Yeah. But with the water... I still, cause I struggled the I entire did. challenge with drinking water. And so now yeah. that I'm not being held accountable on the daily tracking of it, mm. it's mm. gotten even worse. So now like today, like today I'm like, okay, let's just treat it like the challenge is still going on. And I have to hit yeah, this water. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Why don't you download a tracker app? I do. I have I've my got a track on. Yeah. Mine's new. They have trip. water tracking apps that'll remind you to drink. Oh, really? Oh, what does so an alarm many. go off? And it'll remind you to drink. There's so many out there. There's one that I really like. It's called Plant Nanny. And you have right. a plant. And when you water it, it grows. If you don't take care of it, it can die. So it's kind oh. of like that accountability, I suppose. Some people think it's weird. <laughs> I, I love, love it, but I also love plants. So as you can see, I my plant. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's called Plant Nanny. And as it grows, it changes. So like you get to see what your plant looks like. And it gets really happy. So it's like a nice <laughs> accountability thing. And you the app will remind thing. you. you can it. put, yeah, And it's free. You can put how many ounces you want to hit, how often you want it to remind you to drink. Oh, I love that. You soppy thing. I know I'm going to get that now. I'm going to look into it. Um, so I know that we don't have too much time. So yeah, we must I wanted to go. give you a because I know that you have your, you have a program because not only do you help people pre-op as part of like the journey to get mm -hmm. approved for surgery and stuff, but you genuinely care 
and want to yes, continue. You and you offer these resources for people who are post-op to have the most optimal results as possible. Mm, so can you tell fast. us a little bit about your program? Yes. Sure. So I actually work with just bariatric patients. I don't work with any other population. So I just work with bariatric patients. I do offer one-on-one nutrition coaching um, to a select number of clients um, per month. So if that's something that you were interested in, if you want to follow me on Instagram, um, I do have a link in my bio that if you click on there, you can fill out the application. And then I also am starting a um, bariatric back on track program. It's 12 weeks. It's called Bariatric Refresh. Um, that's going to be starting May 1st. And then I'll probably be running it again um, after that program wraps up. So if that's something you're interested in, too, the application is also in my bio. Um, I'll be collecting a wait list for the next um, the next upcoming um, program. So anyone who is interested, I'll be reaching out to them. Um, but I also have a lot of free resources on my Instagram. I'm always posting different mm-hmm. content and ideas, mm-hmm. suggestions. I have yeah. a free Facebook group um, for bariatric patients. We should get on it. Group. Yeah, <laughs> you should join. Uh, I, yes, got to, I want to join in. I'll yeah. on it, but I'll join in. Yes. So in feel free Zoom to reach things. out. Yeah. And I work with bariatric patients to help them, you know, take control of their tools so that they can build sustainable changes Mm. and feel confident in their decisions. Because we all know after we hit a year or so, sometimes it can be a little bit more challenging. You know, we can eat a little bit more, you know, our hunger starts to come back. And Mm. if we didn't get proper education before surgery, sometimes we can, like Sherry said, feel left in the dark. And that's what I'm here for. Very true. And I absolutely well, we want everybody to get over there. Yeah, yes. so we'll put, we'll put all we'll put your website and we'll put your Instagram link and everything in the comments, and then we'll also put it on our page on the Bariatric Beauties page. And especially now because we're starting to see a lot of cases of people who are getting. There's a new term forming called the COVID fifteen. It used to be the freshman fifteen or whatever. And the reality was even like non-bariatric people being at home for a year and a half, almost two years, no longer (laughs) driving to work and working remotely and being bored. I binged so much Netflix in the beginning and I found Mm -hmm. myself constantly going to the fridge. Mm -hmm. I love that you, that there's so many more resources now than there were before. Um, Can you tell us briefly like what the, the 12 week program kind of like some of the things that it might include. So it's broken into, yeah. So it's broken into three phases. So the first phase is really to rebuild your mindset, um, which is so important. We focus on different things in terms of your mindset, mindful eating, remembering your why self-talk. So limiting beliefs, all those things that can really become a big factor in why we make the choices we make and how to change them. And then the second phase goes into nutrition. We really get into balancing your plate, hydration, carbs, fats, proteins, so all the macronutrients. Um, then we'll get into more of like how we can build those sustainable changes. And we talk more about um, label reading, food shopping, um, going out to eat, bariatric vitamins. So every week is like a, a skill stacking. So we'll be adding on to each week. So by the end of the program, right. the goal is that you have a sustainable program that's going to work well for you. So essentially, you're building your own program with the assistance of me. Um, You know, there's a lot of assignments, and it's very involved. So I'm really excited because it's the first self-paced program I'm doing that includes small group coaching. 
So yeah. it's a little different than just the one on one coaching that I do now. Because um, there's so many patients who need that extra assistance. And you know, I want to be able to provide it. And everyone always is asking about, you know, that accountability, not just for me, mm-hmm. but from each other. So that's why I created this program. Yeah. So I'm really excited to launch it. Um, yeah. And it's almost full. So anyone who is interested, like I said, if you fill out the application, I'm going to start a wait list because it's only 10 people. It is small group coaching. So I don't want to get away from mm. that um, small, intimate setting yeah. where mm-hmm. I can give yeah. my full attention to all of my um, all of my clients and then they can also interact with each mm-hmm. other. So it is something That's that lovely. is a small group. So I'm yeah. not taking on a large quantity of yeah. clients yeah. for the program. Yeah. Well, I think that's very exciting. And then is the goal, the ultimate goal to kind of do like multiple cycles, like every 12 weeks, starting a new program for new people. So if somebody can't make it into May 1st, then there's a chance Mm. in 12 weeks they can be able to join, correct? Yes. So I don't know when I'm going to launch the next one. I might have a little break between it. Um, But yes, if someone couldn't make it or they didn't get on uh, in time to fill out an application, that's why I'm going to start that wait list. Um, so that when I'm getting ready to launch the next one, I'll be reaching out to anyone who's on this wait list before I actually physically announce it to my Facebook page or announce it to my Instagram page or my email list. Okay. So if it is something that you are even remotely interested in, just fill out an application um, and then we'll chat, you know, either soon or as it gets closer to the next launching of the program. Mm-hmm. And really, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like a refresh of all things bariatric. Um, to help you kind of kick your old mindset and habits to the curb and like revamp your nutrition. And I should add it's for patients who are at least a year out because this is where I feel like we transition to a new phase in our journey. And Mm. the first year is different than a year and beyond. Yeah, I agreed. And then, um, so, and just to to clarify, if somebody doesn't make it into your challenge by May 1st, because you're just going to, you're just so popular that people are going to book it really, really quickly. They will. People can still go to your website and book one-on-one sessions directly with you, correct? So I do have a limit on one-on-one clients as well. So, you know, I do also still work in a bariatric practice right now. My goal is to do this full time, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'm, I'm working on kind of phasing into that journey in the next year. Um, so I do have a limited amount of one-on-one spots available. So as they do open up, I always do go down my list and reach out to those who have applied to work with me to see if they're still available. Um, and the one-on-one coaching that I offer is, um, all done virtually and there's different tiers, different levels based on what kind of accountability you're looking for, um, and how often you want to connect. I love that. That sounds good as well. And then um, because we're reaching the end and I'm really sad, I have so many more questions, but I want to ask something before we go that everybody asks. Yes. Why can't we use a straw? You can use a straw if you tolerate it. Um, Big, big myth buster here. A straw is not going to stretch your stomach. That's like some old school scare tactic they used to use. Right. Um, If you're able to tolerate a straw, you can use it. A lot of people, it actually helps them to drink more water. So we were talking about water yeah. before. Um, as long as it doesn't cause you any discomfort, gassiness, pain when you drink, it should be, right. it's, it's fine. If you want to run it past your surgeon, I would recommend that if you're cautious and not really yeah. sure. But if you tolerate a straw, okay, it is fine for you to use it. We, I just don't recommend it for a few months. 
post-op. Yeah. That might yeah. be a little yeah. uncomfortable. That's why the stomach yeah. motility is still really, really slow because it's still it's still healing even though it's really healed. It's still yeah. working back up to its normal mm-hmm. speed. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And but drinking you your straw, you're, you're swallowing air. So I know like some it's like it's hit or miss. Sometimes I can drink a straw all day with no problem. And then occasionally you just suck in a little air and then like it gives you <laughs> the, the gas pain or I'll get yeah. that like, or something. So I can see why people have said stay away from it. But like you said, mm. I think it just depends on everything. They always ask. It's like yeah. on TikTok. They're always asking, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not on cool. TikTok. Gotta mm-hmm. get on TikTok. That's where I'm gonna get on TikTok. It's I don't want to go on TikTok. I feel like it's just a, a rabbit hole of crazy things. That oh, I it's a no, it's not. It's a, you get that. You get that. I, other, you get other things as well. Let you me tell you something. I was up at four in the morning this morning so that I can do this. And trust me, it was worth every single lack of sleep because Absolutely. I did not go to bed till after midnight because I could not stop scrolling on TikTok. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it because, it, yeah, it gets bad. Um, yeah. We're practically out of time, but I do want to give mm-hmm. you the floor one last time. If there's anything that you want to add, plug, talk about, or whatever's on your mind. So let's see. Hmm. I would say if you are struggling, make sure you do reach out for support. Know that you're not alone and that just because something isn't working well for you and it's working well for someone else doesn't mean that your surgery is broken or you're a failure. Everyone Mm -hmm. is different and sometimes you just need that extra support or guidance. So feel free to always reach out to your surgeon, your dietitian, or reach out to one of the dietitians online. There's such a huge community and there's always someone that is the perfect fit for you. So, you know, if you have questions or you're struggling, feel free to reach out to me. I do check my DMs daily. Um, Sometimes it takes me a little longer to get back to you. But, you know, if you're looking for some encouragement or you're struggling in any aspect, feel free to reach out. Uh, That's what I'm here for. And, you know, keep up the good work. You guys are amazing. Um, And, yeah, I guess that's it. (laughs) oh thank Thank you you so 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 much thank you for having me this is fun appreciate your time of course we're so grateful that you were able to do this today i'm so glad that we were able to make the times work and everything because i think so many people with this advice and then for anybody watching this in the comments on our pages we're gonna put all of caitlin's information so you can reach out to her directly whether it's to join her groups or one-on-ones or um she has support groups as well um and then if you have any follow-up questions for caitlin send us a message let us know we'll yes, pass it on to caitlin definitely we might just have to have her come back i don't know like it might just have to happen because there's so many Maybe. more questions. That we can <laughs> uh, as long as you're okay with it, of course. Of um, course. And thanks for accommodating me. I know my schedule is crazy. No, oh, that's okay. Don't be daft. I was. It, it was worth. It was worth it. Like I'm not even complaining. Worth I'm it. so excited. Um, and so I think that's pretty much that's our show. And so we just want to thank show. you. So much for being here today. She had so much valuable information. And like we said, reach out to us in the comments. And then, um, wait, so technically today is Wednesday because that's when the show's airing. So today's Wednesday. So you guys already watched Motivation Monday this week. (laughs) We're going to have Feel Good Friday on Friday. So if you have any comments, 
Or if you want to submit your Feel Good Friday moments, send us a message with your video and we will share it live on the air. And then, Victoria, do you have anything to add before we go? I don't. I think you've said it all, darling. I, know I just think it's been a brilliant show. Thank you so it's... much for having me. I loved no. it. And I would love to come back. Great. Sure. That's what we like. All right. Well, That's thank we you like so much. And you guys all have an amazing Wednesday today. And we'll see oh, you next you time. Too. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.